following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Good morning. Welcome to Artisan Church this morning. My name is Matthew. I'm actually the pastor of the Southwood Mission, but today uh, with Mike and for this month helping to, I'm really honored to get to share and be part of the uh, Decorating Time Psalms of Artisan series while Pastor Scott is learning to decorate time on his sabbatical making music. Um, just a recap of, the, of, of last week and of the overall scope of the Decorating Time series. In the past, Artisan has done a mixtape series, right, where every single Sunday there'll be a different genre of music. And we talk about how the different genres of music help us to understand different aspects of the, the narrative of faith or the different aspects of the ways we can um, engage faith, right? So like blues can help us learn about lament, right, and so forth. One of the goals of this um, time round is to look at the process of how music happens uh, either within us or through the process of creating music and community together. The process of creating music together as a community, like co-creating. Because whether or not we are a musician, or whether or not songwriting is something that sounds really fun or just makes you want to go hide in the closet, um, <laughs> the process by which we create can be a helpful analogy or a helpful uh, parallel to the ways that we're always asked to be co-creators in whatever your vocation or your place in life is, right? So you might not say, oh, I have this great story from my childhood, and I want to turn it into a song. But listening to how maybe a songwriter takes a story from their life or an experience and uh, meditates on it and processes it and tries to put it into words or into notes to help other people might help us understand how as a parent or as a lawyer or as an engineer or as a janitor, we might take the stories in our lives and by contemplating on them and meditating on them and prayerfully digesting them in light of the greater song, how could we also be more creative and more in touch with the resources we have as we create whatever it is that we're making in the world through our vocation? So we hope that the process of songwriting is both valuable and awesome in itself, and if you're into that kind of stuff, you learn more about music. But if you're not a musician, hopefully listening in on this one type of creative process will also help you to get more in touch with the ways that the creative spirit God's co-creative spirit, which is groaning from deep within in our hearts, in our beings, and our DNA, it's encoded into who we are, is trying to draw forth the gifts and the voice and the stories and the songs that are within you so that whatever you're doing, you can also be more mindful and hopefully be more free and creative in doing that out of the full resources of the gift that you yourself, you yourself are. Um, and so today, uh, Mike's going to introduce uh, part two. Last week, like I said, we kind of covered more of the meta picture of music, right? How there's like music and vibrations and frequencies in the cosmos and they're also in our cells and how that's kind of indicative of this idea that the spirit that was once creating is still creating in us, right? And so music is great, but music is also this way that we're connected to our bodies and to reality and to God's creative ongoing work in the universe. So that was kind of like the big picture, right? And so what Mike is going to do today is brought in some songwriters and some musicians who are going to talk about what does that look like specifically for them, taking that music that is out there and trying to distill it and or process it um, through their lives and through their voice into specific kind of art, uh, music. And again, whether you're a musician or, or not, like what, does that, what might that teach you about how you process things for your own um, practice and your own life? So Mike's going to introduce our artists in, the, in today's thing a little bit more. Yeah, so uh, we have three um, high-caliber songwriters and music producers in our midst that I thought we would invite up. Um, 
First is a very dear friend of mine who's been an inspiration for a long time. His name's Jim Drew. Um, Jim Drew is a recording artist in both Nashville and Rochester. He has worked with artists like Randy Stonehill and uh, Phil Keggy, which is pretty darn amazing. Uh, if you're at all into like um, uh, Christian nerdery music stuff, um, he's, he's like the Alan Holsworth, Eddie Van Halen of, of Christian guitar, if there's such a thing as Christian guitar. Um, uh, so, um, um, Jim has been an absolute inspiration to me as I've been figuring out what music looks like in my life. Um, another very inspiring voice for me um, is um, a young woman named Melanie Muscarella. Um, uh, you, might, you might know her from such films as Violet Mary. Um, but uh, she has also worked uh, with uh, Scott Austin in the, the Sisters of Murphy. She is um, an on-call uh, keyboardist and backup vocalist. And here at Artisan, we just call her Clutch because if, if you're at all worried about whether or not music is going to work on a given Sunday, you just hand it to Mel, and there you go. Um, and then a brand-new friend of mine, his name's Greg Woodsby. Uh, Greg Woodsby is from Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and has worked as a church music director and um, now currently works as a dance accompanist at SUNY Brockport. Um, so we have three different unique experiences of songwriting, both um, from a very introspective, um, soul-searching kind of individualistic way, and then all the way into like collaborative, improvisational. Um, so... The premise this week is to ask people who are actively writing songs, how does that work? How do you, how do you find that, that muse, as the Greeks would call it, or the, the song, as we were talking about it last week? Where, where do you find it? How do you channel it? Where does it go? What do you do with it? What happens when it's gone? Um, those kind of questions. If you wind up having a question that you would like to ask the panelists, let's see if this works. Um, ha ha! That is my phone number. You are more than welcome to text me. Yep. So uh, file it away if you ever need to order pizzas um, and you want to bill someone else. But you're more, than, uh, um, you're more than welcome to text my phone, and I will gladly ask the panelists. But understand, I will read what you write. So if there are misspellings, I will read them as written. Um, like... I have a text here from uh, Matt Nikoloff that says, hey, yo, anything we can do to help? <laughs> that was from 933. Yes, Matt, you're doing a great job. No. <laughs> Mel needed a nice tea. Shut up. <laughs> uh, so let me grab the wireless mic. So first question to our panelists is um, can you give us a little background as to your songwriting? Um, when did you start songwriting? Um, um, what was the first thing you wrote? What kind of brought you into music in general? Great, yeah. Um, really happy to be here today um, and, uh, and, and get to talk with these folk and all of you. Um, I uh, would say that um, hymnals were my, my first source of like musical knowledge and musical material and I would um when when things were like 
tough for me. I would sit down and I would play through hymns and I would improvise on hymns. Um, and, uh, and that was always such a rich source. Um, to me, music is a language. Music is um, this, this sort of universal language. And if I think about it that way, I think about um, becoming fluent in that language and I think about um, using that language in a bunch of different ways. I can speak extemporaneously in that language. So improvisation to me, whether it's vocally or on piano or rhythms, um, becomes really important. Um, the, the, the process of just um, composing on the spot the way that I am right now as I talk to you. Um, and uh, I think that's the, the main source of my, of my sort of creativeness is, is that I like to create immediately. Um, sometimes um, in the course of my musical life, one of those will, will grab me and say, this needs to be written down. This needs to be formed in a, in a slightly more um, repeatable way. Um, and when those hit me, I just, I kind of feel like, I mean, absolutely, I feel like it is not coming out of me, um, that I am tapping into something, and that I have to, um, that I just, I just have to put some effort into forming that little bit. Um, so my, my life is a little um, more... Uh, haphazard, maybe in a way. I don't sit down every, you know, Tuesday morning like I admire songwriters who do, or you know, every morning and say I'm going to spend an hour today trying to write and and just putting some stuff down on paper. Um, to me, it's like, oh, this thing came to me, and now I have a four-part choral piece, or I have an arrangement for of this hymn for a jazz quintet, um, and each of them takes time to, you know. Um, uh, do, but I guess that's that's where I'd start. Yeah. Cool. Well, it all started when I was five. <laughs> um, I music has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. It's um, it really did start when I was pretty much a toddler. My parents noticed that I had an affinity for picking out tunes that I had heard other people singing um, on playing them on the piano. So when I was in kindergarten, our my elementary school had a piano teacher on staff, and uh, little Miss Sheila Signer was my little first piano teacher, and um, she taught me a ton. And, um, and so I kind of, in and out through sixth grade, um, took lessons with her, um, and then I left elementary school, and I didn't have a teacher for a long time, but I just kept playing anyway, um, just because it was just a joy to me to do that, um, most of the time when no one was home. So <laughs> I never practiced what I should have been practicing, but always what I felt like doing. Um, so, <laughs> um, And then uh, my uh, parents are um, both various levels of musicians. My brother is a musician, so it's just all a part of my life. Um, my first song that I wrote is pretty crappy, so um, probably no one will ever hear it except for the exactly two people in this room that will have it, and they're married, so uh, hopefully they'll never share it with anybody. <laughs> I have it on cassette. <laughs> you did not. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I will leave in shame. 
Um, but over the years, as I kind of got a little bit more confident, and then actually as um, I went through a period of extreme distress, um, I learned to find uh, a different voice and um, start really growing in my songwriting through that. And um, now it's really taken a different turn as, as my life is not really in distress so much anymore um, as trying to look around me and find inspiration and things that are around me. So, um, yeah. Give me a second. I feel like I'm looking through a pole at everybody here. You have a seat with limited obstruction. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Um, well, kind of similar. Um, I I was already in choirs when I was like three, four years old because my mom got us involved with that stuff. When I was four, I started guitar lessons, never practiced. I would show up at the lesson, and my guitar teacher, I don't know if people have heard of Stanley Watson, um, amazing, amazing guitarist all over the world, um, but uh, I wouldn't practice. I'd show up, he'd play something, and then I would copy him. And so I kind of, it was definitely ingrained. My family history goes back to one of my, uh, my great-great-grandfather used to build violins and, and stuff. And some of them sell today for thousands and thousands of dollars. So it's kind of wild. But my first song, it wasn't something I wrote. Well, I wrote it, but I didn't. I was make, messing around with a song by uh, Bad Bad Leroy Brown. It was Mad Mad Reverend Brown. I just kind of rewrote the lyrics. <laughs> that was my first song. And then I had a band when I was 12, and I'd write a lot of the music for that band at 12 years old. And uh, some of my friends, um, you know, we, we would obviously do a lot of covers as well. But um, my writing has changed over the years because originally with some of that kind of stuff, it was just kind of things I was observing, things I was going through or whatever. But it wasn't the in-depth stuff. It was more like, oh, stuff I'm reading, whatever. Over time, it became journaling for me. Um, you know, it's funny, everybody talks about writing things down, and I always balked at that. I struggled to balk at that, right? writing about life, writing about maybe my um, biblical understanding, things that I was going through spiritually. I struggled with that personally. A lot of people are great at that. That wasn't me, <laughs> you know. And... Um, but I started to realize, oh, it's always coming out in songs. These are the things that I'm struggling with. These are the things that I'm learning. These are the things that I've seen around me that hit me or, or connect with me. And then some of the struggles. I went through some very personal um, struggles as well. A lot of it because my dad was an alcoholic and he had left. And I didn't know how that affected me personally. And I remember being in Nashville and about 3 in the morning writing a song that finally hit that. And it's one of the few songs I was debating about doing today, so I don't know yet. <laughs> but, um, oh my gosh, I, I got three up and three in the morning. I just woke up, started working on this tune. And uh, in the morning, I was staying with a friend of mine who was um, road manager for Phil Keggy. And so he was also a writer. And he just kind of said, you know, you got a ton of words there. Let's bring it down. And he helped me pare it down to this one song. And uh, it's really, uh, anyways, that's the journey for me. And it's gotten closer and closer to that heart. Sometimes humorous stuff, sometimes serious stuff, everything in between. So, hmm. Well, the, I've already got, received a few questions. And this one kind of goes to um, what you were just talking about, Jim. 
pass it to anyone who wants it. Um, this question um, asks about the difference between writing between uh, personal experience and others' experience. It says, is there a difference between creating or writing from personal experience versus from outside observations of others? So probably is there and then how is it different? Well, personal, obviously I just shared some things. I, when you see somebody going through things, especially if you care, um, it's going to end up in a song. It's just going to end up in your lyrics because you do care. So that's how that, that's the difference for me. Um, there, there, in, in some ways, there isn't a difference. It's, I'm observing someone else's life, but they mean something to me. Or it's inside of me, something I'm struggling with. So. Um, sometimes I actually approach that with a little bit of trepidation because I don't want to project my own thoughts into what someone else may be feeling. Um, and expressing that, um, I did... Um, many, many years ago, um, someone I knew had experienced a miscarriage and um, just a a long period of depression and um, difficulty kind of coming through that. And so, um, you know, I... And I've, I've never played it for anybody just because I, my, my fear for that was that I experienced that, like kind of secondhand as I watch her go through it and her describe her experiences, but I never wanted to ever put words in anybody's mouth or anything like that. So it's always been easier to, to write, certainly from my own experience, because I know what I'm thinking and I know what I'm trying to say. Um, but, um, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I love poetry and I, I try to read a lot of poetry um, and uh, and in, in some ways I think personally I like I like respect the poets too much to usually try it myself um, and I, I sort of fear that part so I almost always write set other people's words um, and um, the the way I go about that um, is is to really try to find um, there's this great uh, um, bit of quote from Virginia Woolf that I'm going to paraphrase a little bit where she talks about um, uh, the emotional rhythm um, and she talks about how she'll have all these cloudy ideas in her head and she can't find the words to fit them and she says that what she has to do is to tap into this this rhythm um which is not like you know da, 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 da. it's it's more what is the large flow of it and what is the what is the specific timing of that rhythm but also the character of that rhythm and she says that when she taps into that rhythm that then the style, the words just pour out. Um, and so as I'm reading someone else's work, I, I, try to, I try to feel and I try to match my sort of have this sort of kinesthetic empathy, um, which also happens as I work with dancers. And I try to feel what, what that large mystical pulse is that they're that they're in and I try to you know synchronize up with them um, so that it feels there's another quote I love from Tolstoy about art that says that um, true art destroys in the 
in the mind of the receiver any distance between them and the artist. So as I'm reading their work, I try to find that, you know, what, what do they feel like? And it's going to be imperfect, right? Um, I'm not going to... Language always carries different meaning for everybody. Um, but I find the act of trying, in a way, and the act of believing that I can get as much of their truth as possible to be um, just deeply... Uh, selfless and breaking myself out of ego. Um, yeah. Sorry. Well, Greg, that leads really well into another question that I just received. Because um, you were talking about uh, kind of inspiration, like where, where the song comes from. Mm. Uh, and this question, again, I'm reading verbatim. This is what you people write. Um, what is the starting point for most of your songs? Um, do you start with an idea or a melody or a phrase? Also, great development on your calves. <laughs> I start with working on my calves, and then. Um, <laughs> uh, so where does where does the song come from? What is the what's the inspiration? What's the impetus? I I think you just have to um, pay deep attention to life. <laughs> um, usually, and and then, as I maybe I, I I'm I'm constantly thinking about always how do I want to communicate and commune with with others, um, and as something in that process of my life comes up, maybe it's a poem that I read that strikes me um, beautifully. Um, or I've, I've written some stuff with the words of uh, Mechtild of Magdeburg, you know, this um, early 13th century mystic, and something like that will, like, just tapping into... Uh, and as that resonates, I guess I, I feel, how can I, how can I resonate with that, in a sense? Um, paying attention to the things that are kind of vibrating in me and then trying to set that into something a little bit more concrete. So as the mic passes down, there's an additional question on inspiration. Um, to what extent does scripture, because all three, all three of you have some connection to church things, to what extent does scripture influence inspiration? Um, well, I'll start with the first question. I'm not mentioning your calves, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I get ideas from all over everywhere. Um, a lot of ideas I get, um, actually I have three songs over the course of the records that we've done about my children because that's good therapy. Um, and, uh, some of them are humorous, uh, two of them are humorous and one of them is just like this, like, oh, you're getting, you're getting so old, you're ready to fly the coop kind of thing. Um, so I get inspiration from that. I get inspiration from nature. Um, and sometimes what I do is like, um, actually probably not advisable while you're driving to type and drive, but I keep a, uh, my notes app around. I could just dictate. Uh, but um, sometimes I'll see something that I'm like, oh, that's really cool, and I'll have this like little metaphor or simile in my head, and I'll just like write it down and save it for later. And then eventually um, I'll have enough of those, and I'm like, do these fit together? Can I make them into one, one song? How can I use these um, little snippets of things? Um, and sometimes I use them, and sometimes I don't. Um, and... 
you know, lately I've been finding um, inspiration in being um, irritated at the state of things. Um, and so, you know, a lot of my writing has taken that kind of turn um, in a not really political sense, but maybe a little bit um, just being uh, distressed at, at uh, the way our world is turning. And, and um, so I find inspiration really from everywhere. I think um, there's there's beauty to be found everywhere, even in things that are really hard. And so um, sometimes those things that are hard, I try to take that and distill it down into something that's beautiful that can be a shared experience. Um, and yeah, so um, as far as scripture goes, I, I guess I don't really set out to use it necessarily so much. Um, I'm like kind of trying to go back in my mind. Um, like overarching themes kind of come into play as far as like specific, as opposed to like a specific quote from the Bible or anything like that. It's mostly just overarching themes that kind of play themselves in and out as they play themselves in and out of my life. They get written down as part of my experience. So. I think, I think I spent a lot of time, um, especially in college and afterwards writing songs that were almost too scripture-oriented because they, I, I grew up with a lot of groups that uh, in the in Christian music that were um, very teaching-oriented. So a lot of their music, and I, I enjoyed a lot of it. I still like some of it, but it, it, that, I just kind of was mimicking that and doing a lot of it myself. And um, I, I, I remember the day a friend came to me and, or Eddie, after he heard some new, newer material back, what, 15 years ago or something, all of a sudden he's like, now you're writing songs. And I was like, what do you mean? Um, and I had had some good songs that stood out. But at that time, he goes, now you're writing about life and maybe how God's involved with that. But now you're writing about life. And I still enjoy writing songs that are um, for the purpose of encouraging worship is the way I would put it, because um, I don't like to limit worship to just music, <laughs> but for the purpose of encouraging worship, I, I still write songs that way. But I had to go the other way and learn to respond to life in a very real way, because if you go out there telling people how to live, <laughs> and you don't know who they are, <laughs> basically you're making a mess. <laughs> and what I had to learn to do was talk about my life and then uh, the things I observed, and, and watch life come into my material. And that's what my friend was starting to tell me, is now it's about real stuff. Even whether God's involved in the music or not, now it's real stuff. And that was a huge step for me, a huge change in how I... And I look back over the years, and I do have a few precious songs that stood out, even since college days, but... It's been a big change, and now it's almost like, um, uh, well, I'll use scripture to say it this way. Um, there's a scripture that talks about rivers of living water flowing out of your belly. Now, it's referring to something else, but for songwriting, that's me. Things pour out of me, and I got to do, and, you know, even as mentioned, it's not just about songwriting. It's about anything you do that can happen in you. It can pour out of you, whatever your, your love, your talent, your enjoyment, um, for me, it's songwriting, and it's how I express my thoughts. So, well, um, Jim, you mentioned you have a couple favorite songs. 
that you've written? Favorite? Or like, like benchmark songs that you think are... Probably, yeah, yeah. Uh, this kind of goes to that. Um, I think from another musician in the room. It says, being that we are often our own worst critics, do you ever find that your favorite or best song written is a measuring stick to the success or failure of newly written songs? Do you find yourself essentially comparing yourself to yourself? And how do you get over that? You know what? For me, no. (laughs) Because I, I truly believe in what... Have you ever gotten together in a meeting with a whole bunch of folks and they say, let's brainstorm. But then as soon as you start, quote unquote, brainstorming, people are cutting down every little thought. So you never get all that freedom of thought out so that you can actually brainstorm. Everything is censored and cut and whatever. I've just learned I can't do that. And that allows me to write some really weird songs <laughs> as well as some really fun, as well as some really serious songs. I just learned, and I don't know when I learned, I can't even point back, but at some point I said, I can't do that. I got to, what's on my heart now? Um, to Mel, I have a different question for you. Um, this is as written. It's um, not about your calves again, is it? No, there's no calves in this one. Um, for the panel, colon. Um, how important is improvisation in the, uh, the songwriting process for you? Also, hi, cookie sheet. <laughs> for those artists and softball people. <laughs> cookie sheet. So how important is improvisation for you, Mel? Oh, um... Well, so when I write lately, um, so as I mentioned before, I play piano, but I also um, sing. So a lot of the writing that I've been doing lately has been um, more lyrically based as opposed to sitting down and composing something um, that I like on the keyboard and then kind of coming up with or putting the two of them together. Um, So... I will have a lyrical idea um, or a set of lyrics that have been floating around for a little while. And usually what happens is is that, um, and this has happened um, with uh, Scott's band as well, where like he'll have, or Mike, will have this great riff and he'll be like, oh man, I've got something going on there. And I'm like, oh, I think I have words that will fit that feeling. So like I, you know, I listen for a little while and I'm like, okay, I can kind of jive with what's going on here. And then, um, like I'll go back through my notes, um, that I wrote while I was not driving and, um, um, and I'll be like, yeah, I have this idea or like, I've had this set of lyrics just floating around with no home for like six years. Um, but it fits this thing. But, um, then the fun part comes in where the set of lyrics that I wrote maybe six years ago doesn't exactly fit entirely perfectly with what, um, the music is doing. So then you have to, there's a fun give and take. And, and I really appreciate that process because, um, that actually hones, Um, what I'm trying to say down even more concisely sometimes, or sometimes there's more music than I have lyrics for, and I have to really, again, go back to the woodshed and be like, all right, what am I really trying to say? What can I add to what I've already said? Um, So there is an aspect of that. Um, I'm not always good at doing it on the fly, though. So, um, But certainly, um, as far as a a piano perspective, I'm learning to improvise a little bit better as I go. Um, I grew up on classical music where there was very little um, 
room for that. Um, so everything was very prescribed. Um, so the idea of playing a feature um, used to give me like, you know, agita and I'd want to throw up all the time. And sometimes I still do. <laughs> um, um, but so like just from that pure musical aspect of it, um, it's kind of exhilarating though, because you don't really necessarily have in mind a prescribed place that you're going. Um, and it's, it's really it's like it takes you for a ride almost, and you're like, oh, cool, we ended up someplace cool, or sometimes like we really didn't end up anywhere cool at all, and I should just stop playing like six bars ago. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so uh, yes, an answer to your question. <laughs> Bobby McFerrin has a suggestion um, that you should, that if you want to totally uh, have a, a, a new relationship with your voice, you should put a timer on for, I don't know if he says 10 or 15 minutes. And he says for three weeks, you should do this every day. And you should just start singing when that timer starts. And he says anybody can do this because you could just sing on one note. Do, 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 vary it once or twice, you know. And he says every fiber of your being is going to tell you to stop singing at some point. And you just, you just push through that and sing for that 10 minutes straight. And he says you do that for three weeks and you'll have a completely new relationship with, with your, uh, your speaking voice as a, as a musician. Um, and that, that means a lot to me, the idea that um, it, music is a language. If you were learning uh, to speak a new language, what would you learn how to do first? You learn how to speak extemporaneously. You learn how to listen and talk. You don't learn how to read and recite, um, which is the way we learn music a lot of times. Right. You know, we, we spend a bunch of time learning how to look at these black dots that are not music and then turn those in some reciting sort of way. And then eventually maybe you start writing. But, you know, I think if you approach it from a, a language idea and that, yeah, of course you're not going to, a lot of the stuff that you do for a really long time um, and still do as a, as a songwriter and as, is, is not great, you know? Um, and then you'll find the 10% of material that you really do believe in. <laughs> well, um, I have a bunch more questions here. But I've also asked these songwriters if they would be willing to play a song for us. Um, should we listen to some music? Yeah. Okay, good. I was hoping so. Um, Greg, um, do you want to play for us one of those pieces that you're... Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely. ...translated language? Yeah. And while you're getting set up, I will ask Mel a question that is... Um, here, here we go. Artisan often uses music uh, that some people consider secular, which separates secular from sacred music. What is your philosophy about the purpose or role of sacred and secular music? You have 15 seconds. Okay, here goes. <laughs> I feel like I'm just about to be the micro-machine guy. Um... I am of the opinion that um, all music has a sacred piece to it. Um, I obviously sing music outside of church that um, doesn't really have anything necessarily to do with church type stuff. Um, and for me, that still comes from a place of, um, I, I sort of know that at the source and like uh, anytime I sing, I just have this feeling, um, which is just, I, I can't, and I, I wish I could describe it better. Um, I'm a classic wordsmith right here. Um, but just something that, like you were talking about earlier, like rivers that sort of pour out, like I go to a different place and sometimes I don't often feel like it's even my voice that's coming out 
from me. Um, so I feel like it doesn't really matter to me what it is that I'm singing. I still have that place. And for me, I feel like that's a place of actual worship. Um, and so I feel like, um, it's pretty rare for me to come across a song that I will sing that does not feel, um, sort of inherently sacred to me, um, just because of the way that, that I feel like in playing it. However, um, I do feel, um, that there are some tunes that have, that create a different space, um, for people. And I, um, you know, so at Artisan, we really toe that line of what, um, you know, we've, we've played some John Mayer in here before <laughs> for a very specific reason. Um, but you know, we play secular music in here all the time and it still, manages to bridge a gap, which is really interesting to me because I feel like um, you don't necessarily need to be a Christian artist in order to convey messages that um, are easily spoken to a vast majority of people and that you can take into your heart and, and um, really learn from and grow from. Um, but uh, so I, I think it's all great. <laughs> what? That makes any sense. <laughs> I talk it's, good. It's cool. <laughs> so this is Greg. Greg's going to play us. Moving on. <laughs> this is a, a piece entitled Recount. Um, and uh, the, it was, the words are written by a um, San Francisco-based uh, chaplain and poet um, by the name of Lisa Jeffcoat. And um, uh, she wrote these words about um, a week after the inauguration in 2017. Um, and uh, I had been working on some music, processing some of my feelings about it, and had been trying to write words to this nice groove I had come up with, um, and I was failing, and then saw this piece of hers, um, and uh, in about two or three days, I, I just sort of became obsessed with this, and every line of it, I would sort of sing over and over and try to find just the right way it placed, um, and uh, it... Uh, this really spoke a lot to me. So this is Recount. You're right to be skeptical of your wind. you execute with your ordering pen. You cannot ban the creative chaos of love from practicing perpetual resurrection. You might build walls with your words, but you will never be mighty enough to take away our voices. You may try to rename the family of humanity as us and them. But we are not yours to name. Neither our lives nor our common life belongs to you. You can riddle us with shots of fear. But fear. 
fear like a bullet is merely something we carry it isn't something you can make us become you can chip away at the bedrock of democracy but democracy is bigger than you and you will soon find your chipping has sculpted a new generation of citizens who will never take our democracy for granted again You can relentlessly chirp at us in the hopes that we will be so wooed or worn down by your song that we won't trust our own eyes or ears but we the people see Clearly, by the dawn's early light, as we have for hundreds of years, as we will for hundreds of years after you. You have the power to use hateful words, but you do not have the power make us hate. We have the power to vote for love every day. Again and 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 again. You were right. Race has always been rigged. Love never fails. Okay, that's cool. Jim, <laughs> I figured I'd go down the line anyway. Jim, would you be willing to share a song with us? You know, it's funny when you're debating right up to the last second. What song do I sing? Um... I'm going to sing a newer one, since this is about songwriting, but it's about life writing, I think. And I think that's kind of what we're going for, is that uh, it's not just about music making, but it's about creating for our whole spirit, for all of who our lives are. So, uh, it's new enough, I don't have the lyrics memorized. Um... Seventeen in September of 2017, I uh, went in for one of those wonderful things that the, when you're over 50, you're supposed to go in for. <clears throat> and I came out with uh, not so good news. 
Um, and I had cancer of the colon and uh, had to deal with that. And uh, my surgery was scheduled in December, the early December, December 4th of that year. And I, I really wasn't sure how to deal with it. It was weird. It was one of, those, one of those moments, one of those things you just, how do I deal with that? But then again, comes back. I wasn't even trying. I just uh, sat down. I was I had my guitar one day. You, you know, we were talking about inspiration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it, obviously this started from that, but I also dealt with a few other things. I've, I grew up in an extremely poor family. Um, I lived in the projects when I was a kid. Um, and, uh, you know, we were struggling for a lot of different... We had popcorn for two weeks um, because that was in the... And so... I had to learn how to dehandle finances. So there have been times when cars have been an issue and yada yada. So anyways, I, th- this was the inspiration, but it also got me thinking about all the other struggles of uh, life. And the cool thing about this song is that there um, eventually is this chorus that I think everybody can sing if you want to. I would like that uh, if you would join me in it. It'll make sense as we go through. Okay. Also, not my usual style. More of a rocker, but this just makes sense with the lyrics. When I'm alone, random thoughts trying to claim the moments lost, lost in doubt. That's my cue It always comes back To trust in you And life has a way Of finding me Pushing walls That I can't see If there's a chance Breaking through It always comes
the streets We feel the pain Shout at the world And stake our claims Pounding on doors That I hate to choose Yet it always comes back To trusting you It always comes back To trusting you It always comes back some church up in here. Um, so we are going to have Mel play a song too, but she's going to play for communion because we're running a little bit long. Um, I apologize for that, but you guys asked too many questions. What can I say? I'm already here. So um, here at Artisan, we practice intinction as part of communion, which just means you take a piece of the bread and you dip it into the wine or juice uh, whichever is more appropriate for you and your family. There is gluten-free bread available, and this table is absolutely and 100% open. If, um, if you have any inkling within your spirit or soul to be drawn to an invitation from Jesus, even if it was Jesus asking you to go out for a beer, if, if you would say yes, this table is for you. Um, so you can make your way to the table at your convenience, probably up through the middle aisles and out through the side. And Mel will leave us with our our last song, and then the band can come up and finish out service for us. Um, So while you guys are coming up, I'll preface this song. Um, Mike had talked about at one point um, what happens when you run out of inspiration, um, and that is inevitable to happen in in every life, not not the artist's life in general, but just in life in general. no matter what job you do, no matter what your talents are, whatever, at some point you're going to just 
be dry. Um, and so um, I wrote this song out of a place of complete dryness, which is weird because I was completely dry. <laughs> but um, I was um, feeling very upset um, at the just number, the mounting number of unarmed black men being killed at the hands of police. And it's um, still an ongoing distressing problem. And I felt kind of helpless um, to really do much about it. Um, And so I wasn't really sure what I could do other than to just begin by looking at the people around me and finding that everyone um, is my family in some way, shape, or form, which I think I hadn't really necessarily written it with a spiritual place, but I think it is a perfect um, idea to come to the communion table with, um, to look at the person next door to you, and while we're not blood-related, we are still part of one human family, and it matters um, that we treat each other as such. Um, Getting all emotional now. So I'm going to stop talking so I don't cry in front of you. (laughs) Anyway, this song is called This Divide. And please feel free to come to the table as you feel led. I am uninspired. I'm a dried up riverbed. No words like a salve Gonna heal these wounds This divide This divide Oh, I know we have seen out a hand and find a brother in you find a sister in her you see I pray these words like a self gonna heal these open wounds this divide this divide seen and all we have lived I know there have been a better
could see I know we could live I know we could make better days better days yeah. I know we could make better days oh we could make better days I know we could see better days oh we could make better days thank you For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.